Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Tim. <laughs> I'm Willie. <laughs> We're a little out of practice. If you haven't, <laughs> I just if you pointed it instead of saying <laughs> my name. <laughs> Uh, today we're going to talk about the summer movie wager, of course. We're going to do some listener feedback real quick, and then we're going to review HBO's True Detective Season 2. Before we get to all of that, you can find all of our previous episodes on MidwestFilmNerds.com with full show notes and time codes to skip over the spoilerary and other bits. Talk to us on Twitter at MFN Podcast. We're also on Facebook if you search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. And uh, yeah, find us in those places. Uh, as for the summer movie wager in its second week of release, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation took first place domestically with $28.5 million, followed by Fantastic Four's debut with $25.7 million and The Gift's debut with $11.9 million. Fantastic Four's domestic five-day total is less than half of Green Lantern's, and uh, the worldwide total is at $65 million. But critically, they did pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, critically, it's double green light. No, I think it's at a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, so. close to 4 Everybody feels yeah. really good about that production right now. Yeah, it's not, it's, you know what, it reminds me a lot of uh, John Car- Carter talk, except the uh, tax tax write-off talk has come a little bit sooner, like a day or two sooner than it did for John Carter. John Carter made more money than this, though. Oh, John Carter, by all by all stretches, except for all of the like marketing budget, was somewhat of a success. But Disney doesn't like to talk about that. So, <laughs> I'm not bitter. Number one at the top of our top ten is still Jurassic World, which is now the top grossing film of the year. $1.5 billion. Avengers Age of Ultron is at $1.39 billion. Minions is fast approaching Universal's third film over $1 billion worldwide this year. With $915.6 million. Inside Out's number four with 636. San Andreas is number five, holding on there with 462 million. Mad, Mad Max Fury Road is number six with 368.6 million. Ant Man is number seven with 329 million. Terminator Genesis is number eight with 322 million. Pitch Perfect 2 still holding on as well at number nine, 284 million. And Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is number 10 with 272.3 million. The Man from Uncle and Straight Out of Compton are out this weekend. So, interested to see. Uh, congratulations to Disney and Universal, though. Yeah. Finally making some money. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, Disney's going to have Star Wars up there. Yeah, right. So, you know, they're going to have their $2 billion movies, but. I bet you Straight Out of Compton does really well. I think it'll do better than The Man from Uncle. Yeah, well, we can mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. We shall see. On to some feedback. You can write to us, feedback at midwestfilmers.com if you want me to talk about your stuff on the air. Uh, this one's from Jason. Subject, Mr. Robot, comma, watch it. Uh, he writes in to say, it has a very House of Cards aesthetic, but the writing and characters are just so much more interesting than House of Cards. And the haunting music and cinematography during the opening credit sequence of each episode evoke Clockwork Orange dystopia. 
It's just so arresting, and every frame of it has to be watched and analyzed. There's a very Fight Club slash Vertigo type thing going on with the main character because the story is told from his perspective. So the whole time you sort of you're sort of questioning what's real and isn't real. And a lot of it is generally disturbing too. I can't recommend the show enough. And if the show does have a huge twist, twist and or reveal that is sur- that it's sort of teasing, it would be a damn shame if you had it ruined for you somehow instead of experiencing it on the show's terms. So that's from Jason. Uh, that's like the third recommendation of somebody personally telling me to watch yeah. Mr. Robot, including Tim. I watched the pilot and I liked it. Yeah. But you would really like it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Rami Malek, I don't know. He just like, he, he, he has such a distinctive look to him for some reason. I'm like, I like that guy, but then I like, I don't know. Because he was in Need for Speed. <laughs> need for Speed and also uh, King Tut or one of the Egyptian people in... Uh, uh, night at the museum. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what everybody would know him from, of course. <laughs> His star turn. I thought they made the a King Tut movie that I missed. <laughs> Starring him. Starring yeah. Mr. Robot himself. Yes. <laughs> Robo Tut. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I want to check it out at some point. It's just so. There are. There, uh, have we counted? There are 9 million TV shows on right now, right? <laughs> it's, an, it's an insane amount. And like fifty percent of them are like the best show on TV, so it's really hard. Yeah, really hard. Absolutely. Uh, Halt and Catch Fire season two just wrapped, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. Nick, you need to catch up because it's it's wonderful. It's great. It took a little while for it to get going, I think, but it took less time than it took season one to go. Hey, Lizzie, don't eat that plant, <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, thank you, Willie. If there's a plant within her reach, I think it's fair game. Uh, that's true, but that's my fault for not picking it up before the show when I saw it. But anyway. Sorry, I just sat there for a while watching your dog eat a plant. <laughs> <laughs> you were hoping she would listen to me, which isn't always true. Or she would stop and go, wait, <laughs> this is a plant. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough of the Midwest Realtors <laughs> review, Alex's dog. On to... Our review of True Detective Season 2. We'll see how this goes. Nine million TV shows on, and we're reviewing this one. This is the one we talk about. Well, we also talked about Bloodline last week. Or That's two true. weeks okay. ago. So, All right. I don't know. Oh, the, your, your reactions to this are a little leading, <laughs> but I suppose we'll get there. Well, no. We'll see. <laughs> True Detective Season 2, written by Nick Pizzolatto, directed by many people, starring Rachel McAdams, Colin Farrell, Vince Vaughn, Taylor Kitsch, and many other people, including James Frain. And Fred Ward. And Fred Ward, yes. most, most importantly. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. Rick Springfield as well. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, yes. Boy. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get him in there, too. Um, uh, synopsis on IMDb says nothing about season two, so I'm not going to read it. So, uh, <laughs> cops, <laughs> yeah. bad guys, detectives, lights, truth, action, Fred Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Sex crimes. <laughs> You're gonna type that up and submit it to IMDb. <laughs> but anyway, but I have no. I just want to say real quick before I get started. Yeah. This may be leading to. I have no, but two of my notes here are boring orgy and Rick Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's two two cro- crossroads that should never meet. <laughs> no, no way. I want. I should, should have saved that for spoiler Terry. <laughs> that about sums it up. You're giving it all away. Um, <laughs> so season one, you can go back and look at one of our. First bonus episodes, not first, it's probably like the fourth, Early. to see what Nick and Tim and I thought of season one of True Detective. Willie, you enjoyed season one of True Detective. Yeah, I only much. watched it because you guys kept going on and on about it. Yeah, the world wouldn't shut uh, up about True Detective. But no, I, but it was worth it, so thanks for going on and on about it. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, and we also had a pretty interesting discussion about what we thought season two was going to be, 
in that episode. So go check that out and hear how wrong we were. <laughs> but uh, Nick, what did you think of True Detective season two? Oh man, uh, I l- just watched the finale yeah. like an hour, an hour ago. I Moments. just finished it. Yeah, so I should probably not go first. Okay, Tim, what did you think of True Detective season two? I liked it. So it, the, the it's a mess. It's a novel on. Sc- how do I? I can't spoil. I can't go in without spoilers. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything. It's basically, it's all over the place. It's too ambitious for its own good. Um, it reminded me a lot of movies like, um, like Cloud Atlas is one that I thought of. That is like a big sprawling book that they tried to put on screen, and it doesn't really work. Yeah. But there was enough good stuff in it overall that I liked more than I disliked, and I liked watching it every week. Okay, Willie, what did you think of True Detective season two? Um, I had really high hopes for it. I came in and I continued to watch it. I'm not 100% sure why I continued to watch it. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I really enjoyed aspects of it. The The performances are great. Uh, really, I thought down the line, everybody, even Rick Springfield was knocking it out of the park. <laughs> um, and I like a lot of the the cinematography and the, and the art direction and stuff is really cool. It's really moody and I dig that. It kind of keeps that a different vibe from the first season because it's a different locale and different characters, but it maintains that moodiness and that noir kind of sensibility, which is great. But I think when we get down to the story, which is what I generally watch things for is that story. The story doesn't quite do it for me in a lot of ways. There are beats that work. There are episodes that work better than others for sure. But when it's, it's way too convoluted for its own good. There's no reason for this plot line plot to be this this confusing. It's, there's no reason for it. The outcome of what happens does not justify the road that we take to get there. And so I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't love it. All right. Um, I liked season two of True Detective compared to my love of season one of True Detective. But I just... Tim Tim really hits it all on the head by saying it was just a bit too ambitious. I think four lead characters was a bit of a mistake, at least with what he tried to do tried to do with these four lead characters. And I think that um, kind of the the idea that he was going to tell this big story within eight episodes, where some shows wouldn't be able to get through something this complicated in twenty two episodes, I think is. It sucks. It did. It did this. The story that it was trying to tell a disservice. It did all the characters a disservice, and ultimately, I felt like it was disappointing. It was lower than what I expected it to be. But be that it is an anthology series, I don't want to judge it based on what I thought of season one alone. But I don't think that I'm necessarily doing that when I say that I didn't enjoy it as much. When I didn't enjoy it. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's like I, would, I mean, it's like if an author wrote a follow up to his best book. Yeah, you're just like I didn't like that as much as his first book. Uh, yeah, That's exactly. How I totally. Yeah, like you know, like a sophomore I, album I, by a band or something like that. I still like the style. Yeah, and I still like his voice, but I didn't really. And I, I don't, I don't think the style was particularly cohesive. I feel like the things. That there were some really interesting and beautiful moments in some of the locale, but it didn't quite have the polish and look and and the the technique to it that I think a lot of like good shows actually have. Like there were a lot of shots that I look at I look at 
the way that the episode was put together and i'm just like why isn't this as cohesive as like a lot like any well-told tv show today like it did kind of feel like a wachowski but this is like a much smaller story than that in some ways and it should be easier to tell and it should be easier to edit together than six different timelines in cloud atlas you know so I think all in all, I think it's something that's worth watching. And I do think there is some warrant in the discussion of what is the connective tissue of True Detective that I want to get into maybe in the spoiler Terry or later on in this episode. But ultimately, I I don't think this is... If this was season one of the show, I wouldn't be compelled to return for season two. I'll put it that way. So... I don't know. Nick, did, did you have any general thoughts that you kind of... Yeah. Um, if we weren't doing the podcast on this, I wouldn't have finished the show. Despite the fact that it's season two of True Detective, I would have stopped because it's bad. Um, I think judging it on its own as not a True Detective season two, it would not have a season two. It's a bad show. Yeah. Uh, judging it as a True Detective sequel... It's obviously can't really stand up to the first one, but it's an anthology show, so in the end, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think that Pizzolatto has a lot of good ideas, but he needs to pick like two, mm-hmm. and not all of them. There's a lot of there are a lot of interesting things put forth in this season, but it's really inconsistent with the rest of the season. It feels like you're kind of watching different characters from different shows in the show at the same in one show like it feels like a weird crossover universes that doesn't make a lot of sense um and i'll get into to that a little bit more in spoilers but i think it's just um it's just poorly done from top to bottom to me it kind of feels like so and this i don't i unfortunately didn't delve as much into the production of season one as i wanted to <laughs> But I almost feel like season one was something that Pizzolatto was working on for maybe years of his life. And this feels like it was, oh, man, we need a season two. What's your idea? Well, season one, he was trying to get published as a book. So that, that so was his initial... something he's been working on. Right. It's something that he's been... Yeah. And this, I don't... I, it's like this season didn't get enough time in the oven, which I don't think that's HBO's fault. I think they're the kind of people, like, especially what's going on with, like, Louis and FX... TV nowadays, it's not like, oh, man, we need to get season two out immediately so that more people can watch it. Obviously, they gave them like a year and a half from the first season to get this one going. But I think he should have taken more time or called on more people to help in order to help pare it down and focus it and not make it so that you've got four characters with different kind of baggage taking part in an investigation that has three layers of shit going on three layers in the first layer there's <laughs> yeah. so much going on um i think the biggest issue with that i think the biggest probably with the show overall is the first season he had one director the entire time oh yeah who could take his ideas and kind of streamline them this is he's missing that completely here even if it was just justin lynn for the first because he did the first what two episodes yep. even if it was just him for the first eight i think it would have helped um I- I think it would have helped a bit with the technical sense of things, but I still think that, like, you can only go so far. Like, he's not going to delete. But I think it's someone else there to say, hey, let's show Stan once. Or, <laughs> hey, let's put the Rachel McAdams stuff 
that actually worked for me, the Rachel McAdams, Colin Farrell stuff, let's put that in episode two instead of episode eight. Yeah. Like, let's put that stuff earlier. Like, just a second voice, not just all his, is yeah. what, I, what I think is missing from this episode. That's oh, So, so may, like, maybe having that first, like, one director on from the beginning. It's the George Lucas syndrome. He was probably surrounded by a lot of yes-men this time around because, oh, my God, True Dick season, season one. one was such a, a surprise for everybody. Yeah. And I think, I think, I hope that's what it was because that means that this time, hopefully the third time around, it'll be more like, okay, clearly. Let's give you more time. Let's get you somebody else in there to. Hopefully people will speak up if that's what was going on, you know, but I don't know. Who knows? That's season three. We don't even know if we're going to get a season three. So yeah. I don't know. I don't think this show would have even gotten as much. They keep talking about the ratings, how the ratings are really high for this season and for the finale, especially and. Those numbers never would have happened if there if this had been a season one of a no an original no, show. absolutely not no. All right, any other non spoilery thoughts that we want to get out? Mm. I think I think I, I saw a tweet the night of the finale that really sums it up best. True Detective season two. If you like True Detective season one, you'll watch this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I like how the haters in our True Detective have taken to calling him Pizza. <laughs> That's their nickname for him now. It's this pizza is a this is a thing. Nick Pizzolatto. This is a thing that I want to talk about. <laughs> hate watching. Yeah, because how little annoying. of a life do you have to have to watch something you hate? I, I understand mean, wanting to finish it out if you've gotten to a certain point, but there are people because the internet is a miserable oh, place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are people that have hate watched this since the beginning, and then they do stuff like complain about. Oh well, these characters all talk weird and dark, and they say things that don't normal people don't say and i go well yeah that's why i watch it like i watch it because i like that they talk like that that's I his think, style yeah i think a lot of people would wish that their tv shows and movies were written by robots <laughs> and i get tired of it online and i should get off twitter probably is the <laughs> it's weird it's like people it's i think disgusting. when something's well written people just can't they don't a lot of people don't realize that it's well written they don't like yeah and if if the story is failing for them and they can't understand it all, and on top of that, a lot of the language is somewhat oblique stylized. Or, or stylized, there are bigger problems with the show. Absolutely, yeah. and that's <laughs> one of the things. That's and all the complaints I'm going to get into here when we get into spoilers. Honestly, the, the, I hear a lot of about the dialogue, and yeah, the dialogue is crazy and existential and, and way out there, and doesn't sound like normal people, but. I liked a lot of that in season one, and I'm okay with it returning for season two. Like that's part of what I enjoyed about it was that these people are very it's super noirish. People talk about stuff that you know. See, I don't I know. Even, that's interesting I to me. I, one of our discussion points in season on our season one talk, and now to get into some of the actual comparison and what we liked between the two seasons and disliked between the two seasons, we really enjoyed the idea that you have somebody like Russ Cole who's spouting out a lot of philosophy and Marty is they're they're clashing on it. And I feel like there was none of that in this show, in this season. Like it's not none of it's there. It's all stylized dialogue. And I agree. I didn't have that much of an issue with it except for when it was Vince Vaughn and his wife in the show. The, they to me felt like a Shakespearean tragedy that was written by a, a kindergarten. Them, thematically <laughs> there's nothing here in this season to me personally. Like there's there oh, are some themes. Yeah. There are some themes, but they're so bare bones and Half-baked. so just you know what I mean? Like they don't get fleshed out. At least with 
and I, I really don't want to compare it too much because it is a different story. But at least with season one, those themes, like the clashing of two ideologies, that was a focus. He was focused on that theme and he carried, saw it to its natural conclusion. This time it's like he touches on things. And one of the big themes is, is damaged people and how, uh, how you know, uh, sins of the past can affect somebody, you know, moving yeah. forward. And that's great and all, but like none of it really, it doesn't really conclude. There's no... I don't know. There's, there's no closure on any of that. It just kind of is there. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Whereas in the first season, like you get some great payoff with two fairly damaged people when you. Look oh, absolutely. At that yeah. And and in two completely different ways mm-hmm. too. So it's the fact that he just failed at delivering that at all. In my opinion, with all four characters, is really sad. And misses a lot of what I really enjoyed about the show. But, Tim, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about themes no, in this well, season. Um, Do you want to get into spoilers? Yeah. I think we should just move into spoilers. I think we're limiting ourselves at this point. If okay. We... Yeah, we don't. I don't want to talk around too much. Yeah. Nick, any non-spoiler thoughts? No? Okay. All right. We'll be, we'll be right back in Spoiler Cherry for True Dick Season 2. Tim, yeah, he had some spoilery stuff that you wanted yeah. to talk I, about. I disagree a little bit with Willie. Okay, um, okay. I think thematically, um, the for the two seasons are a lot alike because okay. I think that they're both about. You asked, like, what do you think thematically ties these two together? Yeah, they're both about small, insignificant people doing the best they can at their jobs and fighting like bigger ideas of stuff like good versus evil and then they're also about the legacy you leave behind as a human being and as well in this case a man yeah um it's it's people fighting for their legacy that's what vince vaughn is doing this whole season it's what colin farrell is doing this whole season they're all flawed but uh, there's something noble about what each of them are doing I think, um, and I think it's an interesting. I don't think it's as effective as season one, but I think the stuff's all there. So I think what, it gets bogged down in the specifics. So, in terms of the legacy in season one, not to spoil too much about season one, and because I think a lot of people jumped on for season two of the show, which is sad, right? But you do you feel as though Marty and Russ taking down that because they, I, I, don't, I mean, they have a lot of the information, and we kind of don't really see where it goes in the end. But do you think them? I don't want to talk. Never mind. We're going to spoil season one. I kind of think it's the best. It's them doing the best that they can in their station in life. Okay. But, but in terms of the legacy talk. Yeah. Like, do you feel like maybe that's the season two only kind of thing is what I'm thinking. Okay. Because I, I don't necessarily think that the work that they do in season one is going to leave behind a legacy. Okay. We would like it to. Right. No. And maybe... I didn't say they were successful at it. Okay. I just think it was them trying to okay. do that. That's fair. And because that, I always think of the last line in that, which is where he says the light is winning. The light is winning. And that's yeah. kind of summing it up. That's and fair. That's where I think all right. I got with that. Okay. Um, so that's really all I had to say about that thematically. I think that's what ties it together. And I think I thought it was interesting in that. Um but I agree. There, I mean, there's no payoff to Taylor Kitsch's character. It, he's a bad. He's a mess of a character. Yeah, it's I, it's really really bad. Um, he actually, Colin Farrell, 
and even Vince Vaughn's stuff worked for me mm-hmm. for the most part, especially Colin Farrell. I like Colin Farrell's arc throughout the series. Yeah. Um, but the Taylor Kitsch stuff, oof, um, not good. I think you could actually recut the season and remove any trace of him, and you'd still have a complete show. I think, with no, I, you wouldn't I, be like what? Where? I think if this show would have been Taylor or not Taylor Kitsch, uh, Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn's characters. Um, teaming up and just focusing on that yep. storyline, yep. I think it would have been a better show, and I think people would have liked it. And I think it would have played into the theme still because, in a way, Vince Vaughn is still a detective in his own way. Oh, totally. So I think the problems, he goes too ambitious. And it's... I liked some of it because I think I liked a lot of the acting. But, I mean, there's the stuff with Rachel McAdams. She's okay. The other problem I think he ran into is I think he... I don't want to read too much into outside stuff, but I think he was very sensitive of the criticism of season one. Oh, yeah. That's why he killed everybody this season. And the two things I think he were most sensitive about were, I think there was a lot of people that were disappointed in the payoff of the mystery in season one, which boggled my mind. It's insane. That's the whole point of the show. (laughs) And and it's just, it never, it was more about, it was window dressing for the characters anyway. Yeah. And I think he got, he tried to answer that with making a bigger plot which I think is a bad idea. Then there was the complaints of misogyny mm-hmm. or the way he wrote women in the show. And I think he tried to, and that's weird to me too, because that gets into. Yeah, we talked about that yeah. in, the, in, in our previous, but. I'd, it's a movie or it's a show about bad, like flawed human men, basically. It's not, I don't know. They, it, they it, don't come out looking great either. No, it, <laughs> no. like it, a TV show and any piece of art can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Because then it's probably going to be crap. Um, so I think he tried to answer that with the Rachel McAdams character. And I don't, I don't think he's good at writing women. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think it's a strength of his. And I think when he tries to correct that, it, I think it's a nice try, <laughs> but it doesn't. Work well, and the, the problem with the Rachel McAdams character is that it's very much she's just like shut down, very protected person who who doesn't like she doesn't people don't play off of her. She doesn't allow people to play off of her because she's very closely guarded. She guards herself. She's right. written a lot like a man. Right. Yeah, a lot of it, and that's yes. why he's got episode eight. What was it? The tits gave it away? Oh, it's a good line. She's a woman. She would say that, right? Oh, awesome, man. This finale is going great. Ugh. And that, and that, another disappointing thing. Like she finds her solace and finally opens up after having sex with a dude. That's a, who's also broken. I think that's a pro- that, that didn't bother me. The idea doesn't. I kind of like the idea of two broken people following each other, and especially yeah. that are that similar. It should have taken after, place after early seven in episodes the before the finale. <laughs> it's such a it's so out of place there. It it was bothering me. It's such me a too. function of the story. Like we need these two people to heal. Boom. Here's your solution. Let's do it in right. episode seven. That that's And there's so much writing on that the establishment of that relationship in episode eight, and it's it's too late for that at Absolutely. that point. I'm, I don't I don't buy it at all. No, if uh, Tim's totally right, if it had happened in episode two or three, or even halfway through the season, that would I probably would have been like, okay, I get why they want to be around each other. But it's I don't know that was wonky to me. Yeah, uh, and it kind of belittles both their characters a little bit because it happens when it does. I thought mm-hmm. like I don't know. I wasn't a fan of that. No, not yeah. where it was placed. I think I think some of what I was talking about earlier with all four characters having baggage, I feel like 
Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell, the only two, like them dealing with what the legacy they're going to leave behind is. I feel like those are the only ones that get some semblance of almost paying off, but they don't, and we can get to that. <laughs> but meanwhile, you still have the Rachel McAdams being molested stuff and Taylor Kitsch being gay, which both go nowhere. Yeah. Like He completely doesn't acknowledge it, and, and it gets him into deep shit in the show, too, which is... Very shitty, and it's <laughs> such a blunt moment when the character literally turns and goes, "Just be who you are, man." Yeah. <laughs> and then proceeds with the episode. I was like, "Did that just happen for real?" Well, but then on top of it, like it's all like, "Yeah, I did all that just to keep tabs on you." Like, ugh. Yeah, I didn't. Ugh. That was so unnecessary I too. During that stuff. That. <laughs> There's this effort made in this season uh. to try and tie everything together and make everything interconnected, and it makes everything that much more confusing and obnoxious to watch. Like, why? Fine. T- I, I didn't care for. I, I like Taylor Kitsch on the show. I thought he did a fine job with what he was given, but his character is so one note. There's yeah. nothing there. He's literally a walking cliche, which really isn't that relevant a cliche anymore. I don't yeah. think. Like, if this was written ten years ago. 15 years ago, maybe, but I don't buy it as much anymore. I mean, it just, it, none of it, none of it lands. I mean, what, what was the point of even introducing the fact that he had a girlfriend and she was pregnant? What, what purpose did that serve? None. I think, I, I think the final purpose to is To make you feel that, bad when he gets shot? Well, no, but I guess in the end, it's still a really shitty message, but in the end, if he would have not closed off that part of himself, then they wouldn't have had leverage over him and he wouldn't have to go see And I think there's part of it, I think he does a bad job of it too, there's part of it that all three of the male characters at the end of the show sacrifice themselves in a way for the kid and the investigation. Yeah, for for their significant others. And for their significant others to carry on their legacy, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think he does a good job with it. Sometimes... Yeah, sometimes I think you need to spoon feed the audience a little more. I'd spoon feed's a bad word for it, but I think you need to be a little bit more clear with your yeah, because he was with in season intentions. one. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's there. I think it's just buried under a lot of uninteresting and bad stuff at times. Yeah. Um, can I talk about a couple of things I do like just so we can get some, a little positivity before we get back into <laughs> into. <laughs> Being sad and angry. Sure. Um, so <laughs> I, I love Colin Farrell on this show. I I will fight anybody who argues that he didn't give a solid performance. He's really good. So come at me, bros. Uh, um, I thought he was just as good as the stuff that McConaughey and Harrelson were doing in season two or season one. Solid performance. He didn't have as much. I, I think the material wasn't quite as strong for me, but he did so much with it. And that character was a roller coaster ride to watch throughout the whole thing. Had a great time watching him. Hope Farrell continues to get high-profile work, even though this season isn't being well-received. So, oh, he's in the new Harry Potter, so that's good. Good for him. Um, what? He's in, yeah, he's in the, <laughs> the Harry Potter Fantastic spin-off. Beasts and oh, where yeah, the spinoff one. Uh, Eddie. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. The Eddie, yeah, Eddie Redmayne. Gonna give him a give two him insane Fantastic people. Beasts, um, yeah. So, I, Colin Farrell was awesome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the uh, there are some high points I here. I can't and there. wait to work with. Colin. I don't know. Oh my god! Like half. Very good. Trudix season three, <laughs> Eddie Redmayne. Um, th- there are some high points in the season, and please let me you know throw it out there if you disagree. I thought the shootout with the Mexicans was solid. Solid shootout. I, I at least it got me back invested in what was going on. I was like, okay, an action scene. This feels good. Um, that was nice. I really enjoyed the introduction of the Birdman in the se- at the end of the second episode. That 
was like, holy. I legitimately thought that maybe Colin Farrell was dead for a second yeah, there. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I once cooler heads prevailed, and I realized that that wasn't going to happen. But in the moment, I was like, did they just pull like a George R. R. Martin here and just start capping fools? I don't know. Really that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I can. Uh, can you imagine the show from episode three on without Farrell? I if they had done that with Taylor Kitsch's character instead, it would have been a better show. Yeah. Could have been. Waxing at the end of episode. Out, See, yeah. and then I would understand the setup of setting up some support of his mother and the and the wife and stuff, because then you, you trick your audience. And I that that I would be okay with if they introduce these these supplementary characters that are built around the Taylor Kitsch character. And all these all these characters have all these little mini casts that surround them, which also gets confusing. But the biggest problem with the cast is the people that aren't on the show that we keep hearing about. That is the biggest problem with the show. I'm going to negative again. Because <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> Who are half these people that are so crucial to the plot that I have to hear their names at least twice each episode? Who is Tasha? Can anybody tell me who Tasha was? Tasha was one of Casper's girls. Okay. His favorite. Yeah. But I, I don't Woo! know. Tasha knows everybody. I don't know who Blake is. <laughs> Tasha knows best. Blake was Blake was the redhead guy. Yeah. Who I really assumed I really thought was gonna be revealed to be Colin Farrell's kid's ba- dad because yeah, yeah. they both had red hair and I'm like, at this point they Ooh, would there was a guy yeah. with red hair. He's yeah. the one that Vince Vince Vaughn Vaughn smashes slow motion. Him. Yeah. Oh in that like. really derpy shot where he's like I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I liked it too. Vin- the vinegar strokes of Vince Vaughn. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously. Um I don't know who Stan was either. Stan Stan is Stan will be the legacy that the show is. The Stan is Stan is the man. <laughs> how how to create the most important character in the world that has not one line of dialogue on the show. The the problem one of the biggest problems with Stan is it leads to a scene between Vince Vaughn and Stan's son that I thought was really good. It was <laughs> good. Then the whole time I'm like Wait, I don't know who this guy is. He was apparently the greatest guy in the world because everyone's like, they got Stan. Damn! And I think it's... I think it was a nice job. I think it was a testament to the fact that I think Vince Vaughn did a very nice job with that character because he's given a lot of ridiculous stuff. Vince Vaughn was my favorite character in the show, actually. I thought he did... He managed to make the for the most part terrible dialogue work most of the time. His wife... Yeah. Oh man, I, I like the actress. And it's funny. I, I just, I think Vince Vaughn is the one that's getting shit on. Right? Yeah. I, Ke- that's Kelly not Ryan. fair. That to me, that right there is people shitting on Vince Vaughn because oh, he tried to be serious. Oh. <laughs> no, I think I think yeah. he had the most challenging dialogue. I think so too. Because yeah. here's in this, this coming back to the thing I said earlier. The only real thing I said was that Vince Vaughn and his wife in the show feel like different characters from a different universe. They feel like straight, full on, like bogey and bacall film noir tropes which is great totally cool like yeah explore that but they've seemed like total psychopaths compared to everyone else in the show <laughs> who speaks relatively normally aside from when really unnecessarily characters decide to go see at the end of every sentence which everyone in the show does here <laughs> apparently sometimes and i'm just like well, why are you doing that you don't need that <laughs> and it's it's cool to kind of see these like a lot of the exchanges between Vince and his wife, like their their wardrobe, the the settings, the blocking, a lot of it is very very heavy in that genre. And I was like, I get this, I get what you're doing here, but they don't belong in the rest of this show. And it was just super inconsistent, very jarring. And I think that's why Vince is just getting rained on because his di- he was very much supposed to be like the James Cagney kind of dialogue and character, very Vegasy and. Compared to everyone else in the show, yeah, he sounds weird. Yeah, he sticks out like a sore thumb because right. of what he's. Yeah, Someone and my called- my mark against the di- their dialogue earlier wasn't against him. I thought he did a great job, and I don't think he deserves to be shit on. Mm-mm. But 
I felt like them together. It didn't work maybe for me because it was so outside of what I felt the rest of the show was. But it, yeah, they're practically that's a reasonable. They're complaint. practically in different shows. It, seriously, yeah, and it hurts. No, and going back to season one, just to kind of prove where the, it hurts because it needs a um, it needs a Woody Harrelson to kind of look like that kind of outsider that kind of looks at like the person who's talking like that and go, what, what, what are you talking oh, about? Oh yeah. What the, like, like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, kind like, of a window yeah. for the audience. Like the Han to, Solo. Of, yeah. Instead yeah. you've got nails. Just <laughs> Maybe like, yeah. Stan could have been that, you know? <laughs> nails. <laughs> nails is in the background just nodding. His head. Stan <laughs> could have been weirdly. This is good stuff. Um, where was I going to go? Who knows? I don't know. Where were you going to go, Tim? You know, I feel like this episode is very ADD, much like the season itself. Uh, Yeah, it's one of those things where I think it's taking on the form of... Of, of, of the, the thing we're critiquing because it is... Let's talk for a minute about what terrible police most of these people are <laughs> and how they make some of the most awful decisions all throughout this series. There's so many times early on I was like, what are you, do- what are you doing? Like what? Like, what, what, what all, all, I can, all that's I, in my mind now is from the finale because that's what I just watched. But like, why... Here's the th- it's, it's hard for me to get angry at it. Sh- like, the show in the finale was really mean to like all the characters. It, was, it went out of its way to go, fuck these people. Like the email that didn't send? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so mean. <laughs> it's really mean. It's really mean. And if I had been watching this show like week to week, like over the course of eight weeks, I'd be so mad. Like you're 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 investing me in these people and their lives and getting to know them and starting to finally take part in their struggle and then you're just horrible to all of them. Just punishing them. Not just murdering them, shitting on their dead bodies. Here's the thing though, most of them do really stupid things and deserve to die. And it's hard for me to hold that against a show when a character does something really questionable and then skates off, like gets out of it. I'm like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And Vince Vaughn's character, Colin Farrell's character, they should have bounced when they had the chance. It was pride that I think got both of them. And I think that's one of the other big themes in the show is just kind of like, I'm having a hard time putting it into words, but trying to fight the system like that, you can only fight it so far for so long, I think, before eventually you're going to lose. And for Colin Farrell's and Vince Vaughn's characters to take that extra step and, and roll the dice that one last time was really unnecessary. I think the show gave them an out. And would we have been satisfied if it was like a really happy ending? Maybe not. We'd probably be complaining about that too. There was just really no winning. I don't know. It was so, like last last season one's ending was so like sunny to me compared to this. Oh, absolutely. I I was, and I mean, and those those characters, you know, by that they were they were such better characters anyway. Yeah. You really wanted them to win, and they were fighting such a disgusting like like police corruption in L.A. Yeah, yeah that's never been done before. We've, we're not going to see another movie like that in two years or well, something. on top of that like the vinci pd are like the worst people in the world they're like out there like beating up journalists to make sure there's no stories getting out about them and like it's almost it's, cartoonish yeah yeah it's really like james frayne is like <laughs> one of the like oh man every time he was on screen i laughed and yeah. i don't know why he was just like he so... might as well have been like twirling a mustache know, on yeah. his face every time you see him because yeah. it's no i agree but I also think you can go back in season one and find those characters too. I don't necessarily think, I don't think season one has its moments where I think a lot of the side characters are very. But I think there, it, there are definitely some mustache I, twirlers. Mm-hmm. In season but one. I think they get to punish those people though. Like it comes, it calls to mind the guy that's like, I was just doing my job, and they're sitting there on the boat about to execute him. Like, 
Right. Well, in I, season two, it's like an entire city of mustache yeah, twirlers. It's, it's the whole police department exists. And the mayor and the government. Terrible yeah. things. Yeah. And it's. Which isn't necessarily bad. Like, that could be an interesting show, but it just wasn't made into an interesting show. Like, to having, having a city that insanely corrupt could have been kind of cool. And it was almost funny in a way when you had other characters in the show going, Where is that? And then being like, Oh, it's just the. Most seedy underbelly, and maybe the scary part is that it's like based on like real industrial cities in like the California area, think, and it yeah. just seems so outlandish to me that it like could potentially be that way. But it, it I don't, and I think part of, and I think maybe part of it is playing into the idea that this is something that we don't pay attention to much yeah. as a society, is because it happens in these, it happens in towns like this, it happens at small levels, and people just turn their eye to it and focus on big things, kind of. I think that might be what it's going for. I didn't say it was successful, though. <laughs> yeah, good. I don't think it was a bad thing. It was just came off as almost silly, and it wasn't handled well, and wasn't... I never really felt a sense of danger for the characters in the show, even though they were just always in danger supposedly and when they would like die in the case of taylor kitsch or get threatened in the case of the the rest or until they eventually i just didn't care like i was like "Eh, whatever like it it was just really really the only character i was the two characters i was actually invested in are colin farrell and vince vaughn and both of their fates i was like well that's disappointing but (laughs) in a way they kind of earned it so i can't really be mad i can just can we talk about the gps under Colin Farrell's car? Yeah. I thought it was a bomb at first. Yeah, we thought it was a bomb. They started poking I thought it, was, it. I thought it was a bomb, too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what's he doing? <laughs> like, well, maybe he can open the door, and then he opens the car door and immediately turns the car on. Willie and I are like, why is he doing that? Why? Like, oh, You're going to blow up, man. <laughs> yeah. He just wanted but out of the maybe show. Maybe that would have been the sh- that would have been the worst detective ever show. Why did he <laughs> sees blows the car, himself up? He sees the bomb and then turns the key and <laughs> blows up. I'll, te- I'll test it. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll, I'll test it. Maybe this is like speed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nick, in regards to those character endings, real quick, I didn't mind the Vince Vaughn ending as much. Because I liked that the pride finally got him. You know what I mean? And that I mean, he made some peace with himself, even if he was hallucinating in the desert, he did make some peace. Uh, the 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 Colin Farrell one if if that damn message had just been sent, I would have been like, okay, like I can accept watching him get destroyed because at least something went right. <laughs> destroyed is good. <laughs> Liquefied. He, never, not since Scarface has a <laughs> no. character been that lit with this destroyed. That was very Scarface. It was very Scarface-esque. <laughs> it was just so, Scarface-y. it was so, it was, this, this, it was terrible. This I, movie, or this show might be very Scarface-y. I think it is. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't enough moody synth. There's some cocaine. <laughs> Did you guys... See the thing where Fred Ward's like the dream Fred Ward in episode three actually foreshadow and like says yeah Colin that Farrell's was interesting. Ending. Uh, I remember reading that there's something about that, but I forgot. Yeah, I can, I'll read it word for word. Well, one thing that here. was cool was when the the shot of the woods from the end of the title sequence finally made sense. Yeah, that, that was I always, cool. I always loved yeah. that about season one, watching like the next episode and finding the shots that the were... The bits in the... Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. not every single one of them does always. Sometimes no. they're just kind of cool. Season, and there's one, and it's the shot of the woods. The yeah. rest are all just... Oh, there's so. plenty of shots of factories. Yeah, Fred, there's so. lots, of, lots of aerial <laughs> shots of just lights. Fred Ward in the bar during Colin Farrell's like, yeah, yeah, I remember the death coma. Yeah, he says, "I see you running through the trees. You're small. The trees are like giants. Men are chasing you. You step out the trees. You ain't that fast. Now, son, they kill you. They shoot you to pieces." And he says, "Where is this?" And then he says, "I don't know. You were here first. 
but that's that explains Colin Farrell's death in the show. It's kind of cool. That doesn't. It's interesting. But in another piece of television, I would probably really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean that's season one stuff, though. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. It's a cult. I want to go back to the GPS. Honestly, I want to go back to the GPS. Why didn't he just jank another car right there? They weren't watching him. Because they, they might be watching him right now. They weren't watching him, though. <laughs> but they, they, might be. they would have just killed him this immediately feels like if a they cheat. were watching him. And it probably is. But these are dumb people for the most part. They're bad cops. They're, they're, I wish I could remember more. But in the They first, try like, really hard, but they're stupid. They are. I remember with <laughs> yes. like the first four episodes, there were so many things. And I can't remember any of them now. And I'm totally failing at this. I wasn't bothering to take notes. Because the whole time I was watching the show, I was like, this sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? All right. So... Man, what a bummer! How do you? How do we? Fi- what do you do for season three? Like, get a, get one director, obviously. Get one director. Make sure pizza doesn't fight that pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think it's really, really hard. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about our discussion about what season two could have been is that maybe they could have explored something else other than a murder. Like, what if the detectives working on this case are, like, trying to track down, like, people that are good at heists? Like, somebody who's just pulling off a string of heists to some kind of end. Like, I want them to focus on something other than murder. Like, detectives do more than murder. Yeah, there's a lot of murder out there, and that's what they're mostly used for. But I feel like the idea of true detective... One of the things, like Tim said, maybe it's somebody who's not even necessarily a policeman, like Vince Vaughn. That's something that we talked about last time. But maybe on top of that, it's not just murder. Maybe like it's a murder more, she wrote. Type maybe scenario. it's a missing persons case. Like it's, no, it is murder she wrote. <laughs> like it, it could. It, I feel goes. like it could take on so many other things. But I guess that comes back to what we think the show is actually about. Is it? Is it about detectives that are broken people trying to? fix themselves is so it far. <laughs> i mean but are they That's, like was anybody here even really trying to fix themselves i i don't know i think so far the show is about it's it's existential existential detective stories that's what it is. I mean, at its base, it's 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 kind of a bit of noir, a bit of, you know, detective story, a little bit of I don't know. I, I think I think a lot of the draw here is the performances, and I think that's going to continue moving forward. That's kind of it's kind of a, a an actor's you know showcase, or it wants to be. And I guess it still also falls in like it's people operating outside of the law to. Yeah, I don't really see any connected tissue between season one and two, other than what Tim said about um, legacies. The, and... Yeah, I think there's a little bit of two just. People caught up in something. Little people yeah, fight, caught, yeah. not, caught up in I something. I don't think there's anything themselves. existential about season two, mm, really. I think some of the Vince Vaughn stuff gets pretty. Uh, it might even get a little on the nose at the end. Um, yeah, there's some stuff between uh, Velcro and. Um, and there's also the idea that yeah, you're kind of you yourself are kind of stuck in your station a little bit for the rest. Like Vince Vaughn's never going to be anything but a heavy and a thug, really, at his core. But maybe your son or your daughter could be something more than that if you give if you give him what you think are the right tools. Same thing with Colin Farrell. I mean, he's kind of who he is at this point. But if his son is able to grow up healthy, like with a healthy like mental state, yeah. maybe there's something more for him. So I think maybe a little bit of that plays into what I think Willie was saying. So yeah. 
I personally, I want them to. It's depressing. Oh, really depressing. <laughs> oh yeah. And then after after the I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. After the damn voicemail doesn't get sent, then you're like, oh, it was this kid after all. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Normally that oh, makes me that happy, was, but yeah, it really just funny. gets more mean. The you know, typical like, Parker luck. Really for, mean. For Unbelievable. Um, anyway, season three, just ape one of my two favorite cop stories, but make, you know, make it a true detective story with, you know, pizza man's voice and everything. (laughs) Um, black rain. I love the idea of an American having to work with somebody from another country in that other country. That would be cool. Shoot this thing overseas somewhere. I don't care where it is. I don't care if it's in South America, Canada. Asia, anywhere. Send pizza Canada, to, just Canada. Uh, send pizza to Thailand. I'd be down. Get him going. Do it. I'm down. He can find. He can be searching for David Carradine's killer. <laughs> Finally get a real orgy on this show. Exactly. <laughs> um, or uh, something along the lines of Heat, where it's... Well, he ripped off Michael Mann for pretty much the last two episodes. He did. Yeah. He did. But I think, I think doing something... He in yeah. a way. In a big way at the end. Doing something where it's... It follows, like you guys suggested, just having the Vince Vaughn character and the Colin Farrell character, whether it's just a criminal and a cop and the people that are in their lives. But those two are the focus, and they're interweaving and just missing each other in certain ways. That would be interesting to me, too. What the criminal's doing, I don't know. I don't care. But give me that that interplay, you know? So That was one of the things I did actually really like was the relationship between Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell. And the bar that they kept meeting at for probably like the first three or four episodes, they kept coming back to that place and having like a sit down. And I thought that was really cool. Like the setting was really cool. The dialogue between the two was very good. The two actors had like really good chemistry opposite each other. Uh, the character of the the like barmaid yeah. owner was very cool. interesting. Yeah. The singer on a stage was very interesting. Like that that everything in that setting was really neat. And I always really loved those scenes. I want to really praise the. Uh, Ray and Frank uh, standoff yes. in the kitchen. Oh, it was great. It's it's beautiful. Like even even the structure of that, where the episode ends, where you know it's about to come, and then the beginning of the next episode is just them with their guns on each other. And, and both, the way and that really good. and the way that Frank is just kind of like, I've said my piece to you. I'm putting my gun on the table. Please don't shoot me. Don't shoot me, Raymond. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was wonderful. That was a really, I really love that cool line. moment. Somebody so actually compiled a big list on Reddit, on the True Detective subreddit, of all of Frank's one-liners, and they're really amazing. There's some, <laughs> there's some really amazing shit in there. Like, I, I, It bothers the, me that people are, are just poo-pooing on Vince Vaughn because he, he's got a lot of really great moments in the show. Mexican, yeah, that scene Mexican is so, standoff with Mexicans? That's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah. That scene is so good, and then it... And then I was like, wow, what a scene. And Colin Farrell leaves, and they have a great final exchange. And then his, like, stoned wife comes stumbling out of the next room, and she's like, what do you want? <laughs> and it just, it's just dreadful. And I, I was like, ugh. Yeah. Back to this. Another yeah. pizza pizza wench. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's for season three. It's just all, like a sausage party. But pizza with sausage. And no women, because he can't do it. And that's okay. He's just not good at it, but stop. Like stop trying to write them. <laughs> Don't do stuff you're not good well, at. Well, but I I, I, I kind of disagree. I mean, I feel like uh, Michelle Monaghan in season one was pretty her. well written. Yeah, she and, was good. And I didn't mind Alexander Daddario either. Actually, that's true too. The misstep I mean, with season one is I think <laughs> <laughs> the misstep with season one, if I remember, is that 
is the scene where she has sex with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Because it's poorly it's poorly explained why she does it, if I recall. Yeah. And I think that leads to a lot of the problems. And I think he overcompensates for that in season two sometimes. Yeah, I think it's yeah. I mean, I don't know. There's a couple of discussions I could have about that idea, but we're not going to get into it. <laughs> On the topic of female characters, um, Rachel McAdams, is, I thought, was really good. Once again, with what she was given, I don't think she had a ton to do in this show. Yeah. Um, but I love the sequence when she goes kind of undercover at the party. Yeah. I like I I loved that the music in that the bo- scene the was the boring really... orgy. <laughs> well, look, it, yes, it was a boring orgy. I agree. It, this is HBO. They should know by now that you you show us as much disgusting stuff they've, as possible. Uh, yeah, they've seen plenty of orgies. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the whole goal was to subvert the expectation. Like, well, it was a lot of it was a lot of rich folks too. They don't yeah. have the most imagination. A little timid. Yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I love that sequence. I love as soon as she gets drugged, everything that's happening. I was on the edge of my seat when they were outside trying to get in and, and trying yeah. to help her. I really, I legitimately was at that moment. I was like, honestly, except for, with the exception of Colin Farrell, like Tikich could die during this, this ray, this, you know, infiltration. I thought McAdams could wind up biting it at some point during, I mean, I, I, I really dug that whole sequence. I, I did up until the point when they, they drive away and the music is really eerie and like, like fairy tale esque. And it continues even after they get out of the party, mm-hmm. which is a weird choice, I think, in most circumstances. But I love that it continued because I was still feeling so uneasy. Like, it, it's almost, it was almost a choice like, yes, they're safe. They look like they're safe, but we want, we're going to keep playing this music so you still feel like something's going to happen. Yeah. You know? And it, it worked for me. Basically because they just walked deeper into a hole that they right. may not get out of. I, I, I dug that entire... That that episode was I think maybe the strongest and I don't remember the entire thing but I really liked that that it was episode six right I think it was six yeah. that one was really good yeah because that's the one that with the uh, with the, the standoff table. too it was yeah. cool having actual yep. action yeah. like watching Taylor Kitsch and Colin Farrell work their way through the compound was really cool. strangle dudes I really uh, liked the best oh. part of the whole season was Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell just lighting up a cabin full oh of oh my god oh Vince Vaughn shoots a grenade episode? launcher. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. yes. He yes. shoots a grenade launcher. Their last scene in, is one of my favorite parts of the entire show, including the first season. Their last scene together is they go through kind of like the gas and the mist. Yeah. And like they kind of, don't they like give each other like a look at some point? You almost like think this, one of them is going to shoot the other one. Or too. like this is the end. Like this is the last time we're going to see like, each yeah, other. Yeah, we're done. We're done. Yeah, immediately <laughs> after that when they shake hands in the parking lot. They're oh, both yep. like, they're both like, I'll see you there, right? Yeah. I'll see you there, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love, yeah. They also... Uh, I thought for sure something really terrible was going to come to that because they park right underneath a security camera. <laughs> and it's like a really blatant, like, it's it's done for a reason, I'm sure, or apparently not because there's no payout on it. But they're parked, they're the only cars in the parking lot, and there's this big-ass security camera right there. And I was like, oh, this can't be good. Did they do that on purpose? Not very I guess tactical. I'll, I guess I'll wait and find out. Uh, nope, doesn't matter. They really matter. Well, there's a lot of dropped subplots and characters <laughs> and major plots. I like Conway Twitty. I like his cameo. In the third episode, he shows up and sings uh, "The Rose." Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Isn't it like Colin Farrell's having some sort of drunken hallucination? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's when well, it's after he's been shot. That's right. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, I like that part. I, I like that sequence is really wack. That was another one that almost felt like season one type stuff, where it was like, "Whoa, whoa where are we headed now?" I, I dug that. I, I will say that there are, really are some strong moments, and I think watching this week to week really hurt too. I really do. I truly do because honestly, like there are characters, and this is a this is a fault of the writing and the and the story structure. There are characters who are important, who you do see on screen, who have dialogue, 
who disappear for four episodes. Like, perfect example, Holloway, the black police chief. Chief of Vinci. I had no idea who he was. When he, was he showed up channel. at the end, I was like, this I guy thought- looks cool. Who is he? Yeah, I know. And then I go, holy shit, he was in like three episodes. I thought he was Keith David in the subway tunnel. <laughs> like he came walking out. I was like, oh, cool, Keith David. Who's he? Well, and when they're like, he, when they're like, Holloway wants to see you. I was like, who the fuck is Holloway? Yeah. I guess I'll go along. And then they like take him down there, and he starts talking to him. And I was like, who? that's the thing. I don't even think necessarily that, like, even if you were to sit down and shotgun all of this in one day. Hopefully you would recognize it's the same guy, but I don't necessarily think you would. I can tell you. I can tell you. Yeah, you're used to seeing him in the police. Like the first time you see him, he's in the police chief outfit. The second time, he's like completely in darkness in the in the. But I think I think it is more so a failing of the writing, because especially when you've got such a web of people and things happening, you've got to name check people enough when they're on the screen mm-hmm. for me to know yeah. who the hell you're talking you do. about. He's presented as a very boilerplate, like throwaway police chief character. He is. Yeah. There's, there's no Oh, Coral, you're a loose cannon. Get out of here. It's the same with Burris, too. Burris, I was like, am I supposed to know who this Burris shot Burris has, has more to do. He's, he's on screen more. I literally, when he walked up and shot Taylor Kitsch, I went, who is that? <laughs> See, I him, had, him I knew. I did I, not. I knew him, too, but it... I still just I feel as though there's so little done to make sure that you're connecting the dots that it's just a failing of of such no, a is. large web. One of these two conspiracies could have been cool but on its own if it had been expanded upon and the other one was dumped. I'm not entirely sure I understand of some of the conspiracies. Well, there's this thing you have to read like it's articles to yeah. figure out the whole thing. I still don't know what the hell is the deal with the land rail. I didn't understand it. There's like, there's basically two conspiracies is is what it is, right? There's the right. diamond one which is the cops and that's the one that's really affecting the cops in in the story, and then there's the the land deal one, which is more affecting Vince Vaughn. They're, well, they're tied oh, together, and there's, and there's the orgies, the, 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 the parties. Yeah, the land, yep. Just to just to tell you, the land deal, Casper screwed over Frank to get a bigger piece of the pie, and then everybody else screwed over Casper so they could all get bigger pieces. Of the right, pie. and I understand they were buying the land because it wasn't usable, and they were going to build the rail, and they were like, oh, here's a cool idea to invest and make a bazillion dollars. Yeah, and. Uh, I I had this feeling that if I went back and rewatched all of season two, I would like it more because I have a feeling there's a lot of things deeply buried in there. Kind of like Tim said, buried in there. There's a, there's a good show. I think there's a lot of things and, and themes and, and maybe even more visual stuff. That's actually good. As somebody pointed out, I just saw it just before I left to come over here on Reddit. Um, uh, Somebody said Frank's. It was just called like Frank's wardrobe in 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 the finale, and it was a shot of him in the desert, like bleeding out with a big red spot here. And they called attention to the fact that he said when he met his wife next, he's going to be wearing a red rose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool! You actually did something with visuals because that really doesn't happen the rest of the whole season. Maybe there's some stuff really just buried in there. There was someone on Twitter or something that was kind of pointing out a lot of like Egyptian mythology that was sprinkled in throughout mm-hmm. the show, and I would really like to. Explore that a lot of the a lot of the Birdman stuff. Yeah, there's um, a lot of lot mm-hmm. of bird imagery in Egyptian mythology. There's Somebody mentioned of, Horus at some point. Horus, too. yep, yep. Yeah. So there's a lot of that stuff. It's just not as this season. It it's homework, 
and it's not fun homework. Mm-hmm. Like because the, the first season you could like do extra credit and read about yeah. <laughs> read about the Yellow King and, and, that's, have, and yeah. have a lot of fun with that. This is all. Oh boy. I think he severely overestimated people's um, interest in real estate fraud. <laughs> because I like it's all reading about that and like the ins and outs of the conspiracy with that. And I got and I think I think some of it is too. He even like markedly was was kind of like yeah, the whole occult thing's been kind of toned down this season, and. I think that was something that we enjoyed a lot in season one. It was very intriguing and cool. What helped it stand out from the crowd? Yeah. This feels like another cop show, really. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, I thought we were going to get into some of that stuff, and I don't want it to be a clone of season one, but I thought when they introduced that bird mask guy, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that was cool. I was like, this guy's fucking creepy because he cocks that shotgun, and you're just like, he's got a suit on, and you're like, who is this? Yeah. And then he disappears the entire rest of the season. (laughs) And then in like a line of dialogue. once in a weird Japanese mask when he... Which yeah, I forgot burn, about when he, that when too. When he burns the car, he which should, I totally it should have been about. the same fucking mask. Exactly, but and then I don't know. And then, Although I guess if you're a good criminal, then it isn't. But the, the payoff of all that it's is okay when you're facing bad cops. It doesn't matter what you do. <laughs> the payoff of all that is really weak too. Like because as soon as they mentioned the two kids, I went the the sons the sons the it's the birdman. Really, it's really weird. I feel like both of the um, both of the seasons kind of tip their hat to the murderer in like the latest episodes. they show you they're like boom these are the people and although i think uh childress shows up at the very in, end of earlier in season one mm-hmm. in like one scene so does and these people do too on the movie yeah. set so it's it, it, but it also leads to what i think a lot of people think is an unsatisfying ending to mm-hmm. the mystery of it all which i disagree because it was season one was so much more about where Rust and Marty were going as people, I was so much more invested in that that I didn't really give a shit who was the person that murdered the woman. Now, in this season, you've got four different people for me to try and care about, and you didn't pull it off with any of them in particular, except for maybe Ray. So when in the end, it's the two kids that were in one scene previously I, I, in the show. I'm like... Nah. Once again, if that was a plot point, the the kids and the diamonds, if that was something that had been introduced earlier in the season, I might have been okay with it. It's introduced the episode before you... like It's in the, introduced the episode before the finale. And I go, what, what, why are we... Show, why is this happening now? Like, the time to introduce all this stuff, all the, the evidence and all the, the clues as to what's going on should have been peppered throughout the first four episodes, not uh, smashed at you. I mean, I don't know. That's a problem. And then what they do with the, the, the character, I guess he was just never meant to be that important, but what they do with the character is kind of underwhelming, too, because he just flips out and starts stabbing the guy. I'm like, okay, that's it. Yeah, like, he, he, like, for some reason, he stops being cold and calculated about killing and taking these people down and just becomes the, I'm just going to suicide run right? you in the, in, the, in the subway station. This is a guy who has gotten the- away so far with murder. Like, it's like, like he's gotten this far, and now he's just going to walk up and shoot a guy exactly. in the middle of the day? Like, makes no, none of it makes any sense. And Colin Farrell, you're going to trust a guy... Whose last line delivered to you is "I am the knife and the or I am the what is it I am the bullet and the blade." You're gonna st- <laughs> you're gonna trust that guy with the entire operation. Like that seems. Is it right here? Yes. Cool, yeah. cool, just kid. just record this. We'll get him. Got a plan. Like, Got a plan, man. No well, well, he probably needed help recording because he's not good at that. <laughs> Shown later on. Why? That's fine. Why too soon? <laughs> Why did Rachel McAdams send away the sister? I think she was worried about her safety because she knew people were coming after her. 
I mean, that's well. And she used her name when she went to the party. Yeah. Remember, she used her identity when she checked into the party. No, 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 no. Not her sister. Oh, you're talking her about sister. The, I get. I'm I, talking about uh, Laura. Or, I think she just wanted to give her a chance to get the fuck away from the whole thing. Yeah. I think she wanted somebody to get away clean. And that's I, pizza was just like, I don't want to write this character. <laughs> that's probably what it was. <laughs> you're the key like, witness in my case. Yeah, Here's leave. a bus ticket. <laughs> please leave. See I ya. don't want to know where you're going. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's Ugh. I don't know. It's a bummer. <laughs> I, I don't. I really don't hate this season. And you know what? I'm going to watch it again at some point. I'll be honest. I will. But only purely so I can see if I enjoy it more. And I'll watch it in a shorter period. I'll kind of. It's made me really want to go back and watch season one and listen to oh, any like, commentaries that there might be on season one and like really enjoy season one. And I'm in the middle of rewatching know. season one right now. I've got two episodes to go, and it's just it's incredible how much more cohesive it is. And how I hope that if they come out a couple weeks from now and they're like True Detective season three next year, next June, I'm not I'm not going to be that excited. for it. I know. And I went to this season like when they when they showed that preview with the, the girl that's in the bar singing the song and stuff. I was like, they didn't really show you anything in the preview. Like there's nothing to get excited for. But just because of the goodwill that that first season built up for me, I was like, oh, my God, like, here we go. True Dix is coming back. And now I'm kind of like, eh, I'm excited. I mean, I'll watch it. Like, I'll be like, OK, cool. I'm, I'm excited because are there are two ways this could go. <laughs> it could bounce back and like be amazing again. Or it could be a complete and total train wreck. <laughs> and I will be okay with either of these. Because <laughs> I don't with. think it's going to go boring. Because, like, I can see Nick Pizzolatto as, like, being the type of guy who's just like, Scorch the earth, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to criticize Back my to show? Books. <laughs> yeah. Like, you want to criticize my show? Like, I'm going all out this time. There's going to yeah. be eight main characters <laughs> and 17 True. stands. Try to keep And the- two episodes. Hey, maybe next time don't spend all my episodes tweeting about how shitty my show is. <laughs> maybe watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, my question, I guess, is, I mean, this has not been well received in general. Do you think they're going to get the caliber of actor that they want this time around? I mean, I the first season the was, what's that? I think it depends on the script. Yeah. This time they're not going to be able to just sign people. Yeah, they were this time around though. I think it was like we, they could get whoever the hell. I don't they know. To. I don't know the way that they played the press around who was on and who wasn't and what was confirmed and what wasn't made it seem like people were reading the scripts. <laughs> but I don't know. Like it, it was I weird. Think still... I think I think they could still get some high profile people, but I don't. I don't even think this time around that anybody like Vince Vaughn is the closest that it comes to. Wow. I wouldn't expect him to do this. Like Woody Harrelson was all right last season, but Matthew McConaughey, like I think McConaughey was the one that everybody was like, whoa, what? Not even necessarily because where he was coming from, but just because it was such a. That's amazing carrot. It was, was, but, but even like, I remember sitting down to watch game of Thrones a year before like the April before True Detective mm-hmm. season one aired in January, and they played the little teaser that is just Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey standing in a field, looking pensive and mm-hmm. like intently next at to the car, right? Yeah, Isn't next it? to yeah. the car. And I remember like looking at you and being like, "Oh my god, what is this?" Yeah, and I don't think they're ever gonna get that again. I don't think well, no, I don't right. think they would have gotten that even if they did similar type things with this cast. So I don't think they kind of tried that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I like I I don't know. I don't 
I don't know who they could pick that it would just be like, wow, all right, I'm interested again. Unless it's apparently fucking John Krasinski in the Benghazi movie by Michael Bay. Because I was like, what? Yeah, it's going to be really good. I, I, it's weird. I'm, I'm, you're, you're gonna I'm, I'm excited like about it, it now. Like and it, I'm, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I anticipate liking that movie. Who <laughs> <laughs> else is in oh, that? Man. James uh, Badge Dale. Yeah. Hello. James Dale. Rubicon Boy. Okay. There was somebody else. Star of 24. Uh, Max Martini. Max Martini. All right. All right. That's got a pretty sweet cast. Yeah. Michael Bay casts are usually. Well, I mean, it's almost, I don't know. It's kind of exciting because it's not a Transformers movie and yeah. it's not original either. Benghazi. Oh, he's, he's also got David Denman from uh, Yes. Also from, from, from the, the office. office. And. Uh, David Costabile, who played uh, uh, Gale in Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. so I, it's a it's a pretty interesting cast. I'm excited for it. Anyway, back to no, True this Detective. is this is where they should end up. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so I was talking about Michael Bay's Benghazi, uh, but I don't know. I I don't know who they could cast where I would instantly be like, all right. I mean, that's I a really that's a really scene. ridiculous question to ask yourself, though. I mean, there's. It's it's like, there's so what, many people. What out are there. you not expecting? I don't know. Yeah, I hope he exactly. casts himself or Angela Lansbury. Pizza. Yeah. He did cast himself in the first season. Who was he in the first season? He's a bartender. Okay. Mm. He's got to be somewhere in the second season. I uh, Carrie Fukunaga looking hanging like out with in, hanging out with Josh uh, Trank at a bar. <laughs> oh, the Trank. Oh, oh yeah. boy. I, I don't know if I sent you guys a screenshot or not, but on uh, on the True Detective subreddit, someone said, "All right, you're in charge of season three. What do you do yeah. to make it good? And the top voted response said, Brendan Fraser in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Man. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What if, what, if, what if the ad popped up and it was Brendan Fraser standing in the Everglades? In like, Miami. <laughs> oh, my God. All episodes directed by Josh Trank. <laughs> Can you imagine the two bad boys of Hollywood, the three <laughs> together right now? Can we get Val Kilmer? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Sign him up. Who do we want as the female lead? Ooh, I want uh, some Angelica Houston <laughs> as a DA. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like a hard ass. Yeah, I like that. Glenn Close. They could net. Yeah, that's probably. boring. <laughs> she already did. Glenn damages. Close is not boring, sir. She yeah. already did damages. I don't know. Renee Zellweger. Oh God! <laughs> I jokingly said to Nikki, I was like, "What if they cast? Would you still want to watch True Dicks if they cast?" Uh, uh, Renee Zellweger, Keanu Reeves, and um, Nick Cage, because she hates all three of those people. <laughs> and and she's like, I'd probably still watch Cage, it. Like, Cage would honestly fit he in, would. in uh, that, season but, two. Oh my God. What if Ray was played by Nick Cage That's in season the thing, two? I almost think Nick Cage Nick actually Cage does fit. In like, he could I, use it. I think he could, I think he could pull this off. That would be interesting. Bad Lieutenant, basically. Yeah, I'd have to, <laughs> I'd have to watch. I would watch season three. He'd have sure to be Nick Cage's Frank. <laughs> oh man, he just, couldn't just he couldn't sport a, that ensemble. Just pulling though. a club manager's teeth out with pliers, <laughs> screaming the whole time. Uh, yeah, <laughs> hair hair in his face, moving around like a cobra. Yeah. <laughs> skull painted skull paint on his face. <laughs> he just turns into ghost. <laughs> <laughs> what if uh, what if Will Smith was cast in season three? Something like that. Maybe boring. 
That wouldn't surprise me, actually. I like, you know what? I, I, we, you mentioned this, and I liked it at first, and then I went, no, because I don't like Will Smith anymore. I generally, I genuinely do not like him anymore. That feels like, to me, that feels like stunt casting, and none of these have really felt like it. That just feels like a guy that's going, like, I got to get away. Vince Vaughn has played straight before. He used to, he like played this. more straight yeah. earlier on. Yeah. So that would feel like stunt casting to me. Well, and, he, and he was good for the part. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Someone Most important him, criteria. <laughs> someone compared him to like it, like an evil, like bizarro version of his character from Made. And I thought, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. about right. <laughs> yeah, what, what if it had gone wrong? You yeah. know? <laughs> I wish he had played his his character from the Lost World Jurassic Park. Yeah, environmentalist, dino rights activist, wow. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I think we can wrap it up. Unless there's any, unless there's any final thoughts. Uh, bring back Hannibal and not make True Detective season three if it's going to suck. Mm. You can make both. Listen, make, make listen. a show that's going to be good. I think out of the nine million shows on TV, <laughs> I think this is still in the upper. I, oh, it probably is. I can't one hundred percent confirm. I but. don't think it's great. There's enough good stuff going on. Rick but, Springfield. We didn't. Oh God! Well, how did you describe him to me, Willie? It was so funny. Um, I don't remember. You have to look up the I'm text. I'm gonna look it up. It was so. I just texted to Willie, and I was like, "Oh my God, Rick Springfield and True Detective." He sent me. He sent me a text. He was watching. You know, kind of catching up or whatever. Yeah. And I had no idea it was Rick Springfield at first. Like, like, because he I had no clue. He I looks... wouldn't. I wouldn't have known if you didn't say anything <laughs> to me about it. Oh man. I just said, Rick Springfield in True Dicks, what? And Willie goes, right? And I said, he's so grotesque. And Willie goes, like a pedophile mummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He does look like a pedophile he's mummy. He's having quite the renaissance now. He's in Ricky and the Flash. Yeah. Oh, that's what he got. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, old, I like, Rick, I like old Rick. Yeah. He was actually really good. He is really serious. <laughs> He Maybe was really eerie. I, well, in his, his like what sort of evil dabblings that character could have been involved in, I was actually interested in. I was like, here's a bad guy I'm actually curious about. Here's someone who holds sway and influence over people. Then not, he just gets beat up. Not <laughs> corrupt police. looking, yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of these people. Unlike like, Holloway and Burris. And I only all those saw Rick, Spriel, Rick Springfield like twice in this whole series, but he made a yeah, mark. he's only in three episodes, <laughs> and he's barely in it. I don't remember... Rick Springfield should be the Birdman. I don't even remember what the Chani looked like, or the Velcros. <laughs> the Velcros. Oh, oh, real quick. I'm sorry. Before we go, uh, another. I was I was flipping through Twitter the night of because I'm like I have to see the reactions to this because I was feeling like whoa, what is happening right now? And my my favorite of all the tweets was somebody please te- <laughs> somebody please send an email to Chad Velcro at gmail dot com to let him know his father loves him. And was like, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> there was a there was a photo, a really poorly done Photoshop on the subreddit that changed the email to AskMaster three twenty four at Gmail. <laughs> I it was funny. Oh, poor Chad Velcro. <laughs> Chad Velcro. Oh, no. They had that beautiful moment oh, at the playground, though. Velcro. They had that beautiful moment that aired on Father's Day, where Colin Farrell, Ray Velcro, tells the other dad that bullied his his kid, bullied Chad Velcro. He's like, "I'm gonna rip off your head and." Like piss on your throat in front of your wife. <laughs> no, I, no. I think he says. I, doesn't he say that he's gonna? God, what was? The, somebody please find the line because it's <laughs> it's too good. I know we're running along here, but no, it's fine. This is important. No, Everybody this is stop important. listening. Honestly, watching ago. Colin Farrell meltdown was so rewarding. Yeah. Even though he was the one I was rooting for the most, watching him just get really coked out and and tear apart his apartment was so beautiful and so sad. I felt and like it was so like entertaining. Kind of, to me, though, I felt like he was so. If you ever bully or hurt anybody again, I'll come back and butt fuck your father with your mom's headless corpse on his goddamn lawn. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. That's where, like... True Velcro. That's where I'm like, keep going, pizza man. Like, keep it, keep it writing, because you'll come up with a You should write like the Duke Nukem movie, basically. <laughs> Seriously, though, like, like, a True Detective Season 3 would be worth it alone to have a moment like that again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, you're not going to get that on... <laughs> Cupcake yeah, Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Actually, you might get that on Hell's Kitchen. I don't yeah, know. you might get that on Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. It's true, but That's I mean, it, your your point about the nine million shows is pretty valid. If season three is not good, right. There's another show that's going to come out and be better. No, I agree. So step I, up. I mean, I remember a lot of people finishing Fargo season one and saying, "Wow, this is superior to True Detective." Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure Fargo is really good. I it's fantastic. It it's great. I think they're two really different animals, but. I think I don't know. I'm I'm really intrigued in Fargo season two. I'm excited. Well, if it. Fukunaga gets rolling on the Alienist adaptation, I yeah. mean that's going to be a force because he is perfect for that. He's By the way, I think that was your first invocation of the Alienist on this podcast was our season one wrap up. What did I say? You brought it up. <laughs> you brought it up when talking about um, uh, how you wanted <laughs> how know. you originally wanted season two to be about. Like two women in like the turn of the night oh, right. of the twentieth century, like uh, inve- like basically investigating the disappearance of their husbands or something, and how I think a few of your friends had made the remark that maybe me included, maybe there wouldn't be any women cops at the time, and you were like, well, there's women like something like the Alienist shows this woman detective yeah, she's who, one of the main characters and it, and it, and and you wanted to say that it would be an interesting twist to see how like the disrespect towards them at the time is like it would honestly play to Pizzolatto's advantage because he yeah, could write really exactly. mean men <laughs> exactly. and it would be so Fukunaga got the idea from me cool thanks yeah there you <laughs> thanks go. Carrie he listened to to our episode it was our most downloaded episode at the time so his people were <laughs> like this, this one's is... gonna beat it his people were like you gotta listen to this man come here yeah I don't know <laughs> I don't know. No, season three. I mean, I have I have high hopes for it. I mean, sophomore slump is is a thing for a reason. Yeah. Most I think a lot of people's follow up works to something that's really acclaimed out of the gate is usually. And well, it's under such a such a microscope. That... The one the one that's remind this reminded me a lot of the Wire season two because the Wire season two got a lot of backlash too, if I recall. Yeah. It's just less people watched it, like mm-hmm. nobody. And at the time, now everybody was like, shut "Oh my up god, the Wire!" Have you seen the Wire? Oh my yeah. god. That's my impression of Wire fans. <laughs> Nailed that. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. But, like, that's Wire season two got idea. a lot of backlash because it focused so much on the docs instead of, like, yeah. gangsters and everything. And it's it's also a very messy season of a television show. Yeah. And it's a show that bounces back because it goes back to its roots in season three. So, I, yeah. it also has a, um, a theme song that got backlash, too. Mm-hmm. Like this one. Yeah. That's true. That's true. It's way worse, though. Tom Waits does a terrible job with the Wire season two. <laughs> Yeah, the, the song, I kind of understand the, con- I don't even want to say controversy because it's a song, deal with it, but it's, I kind of get some of the complaints because it is, it is definitely strange, but it, I, it, really it grew right. on me. It really grew well, on me. Well, I really me. like Leonard Cohen, so yeah. as soon as it started, I was like, oh, cool, go Leonard, you're like 80 years old <laughs> and you're singing the song to the, that's from his newest album that just came out, and I was like, that's really neat, and the lyrics are perfect mm-hmm. for kind of what it's about. But I understand the style is definitely oh, he, caught they, a lot of people off guard. The, the lyrics also changed every week towards yeah. the end. It shows different parts of the song, yeah, yeah. for sure. 
Yeah, it, it was it definitely. I remember one of the first things out of my mouth. I was like, I don't like the intro as much as I liked in season one. I I but. don't appreciate that they went for the same visual gag that the yeah. first season did. I think they should. Have I kind of like that actually. I like the continuity. That's the one thing that's kind of. I don't know. I dig it, but I can see what you said. Like, I don't think there should. I mean, if you're gonna say oh it's different, they're not related. Make it different. Like change it up. Find something different. Yeah, I think it would have been cool to make it to do it. In a, Especially because none of the way. shots were really memorable in this one. There's just a lot of like cities and yeah like, that's I like true the one of, that's true there is the one though i like of the the is it the factory that's coming out of vince vaughn's head like that was, coming that out was with the, just his eye that was another yeah, tweet they're like i'm gonna miss city lights vince vaughn <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, because it's coming out it's like he's projecting the city out of his mind like professor x kind of yeah, it was really like cool that. there's there's a small handful but in the first season like every shot you just yeah. want to pause and like examine it and, right. and soak it in opulent man Opul- oh yeah he was awesome Dude, that guy's not even actually Eastern European. I no. thought for sure he actually... He's Irish, <laughs> that yeah. actor, and he plays the most perfect, like, Russian, Eastern Bloc person. Yeah. yeah as, soon I, as, he, as soon as he showed up, I was like, yes, here we go. Season season two... I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully season three is better. Yep. Hopefully he learns from his mistake. I am hoping it's more of a... I don't know. I don't even have good analogies for it, but... I feel like we're getting a lot of that. I feel like Trank, sophomore slump, uh, pizza sophomore slump. It's going around. But Unfortunately for Pizzle- Trevorrow, sophomore. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> a fi- 1.5 billion biggest movie, 25th. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's somewhere just going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pizzolatto, unfortunately, he did not have better directors there to elevate him either or to kind of, kind of help streamline the piece from week to week. Because I don't. I don't really recall any sequences in the in the whole season that really stood out as being really strongly directed. Yeah. Whereas in the first season, even just scenes of people talking would be really cool the way they were blocked or be interesting the way things were arranged. And there were some in this that were straight awful. I was mm-hmm. like, this is dreadful. There's, there's one scene of like an overpat, like they're showing the city of Vinci and it looks like it's like somebody... With like an Atari controller as a joystick controlling a, like a webcam from 1982, <laughs> and it's disgusting. And it's not even like stylistically like that. It's like somebody put a red cam on like one of the most stilted looking like I don't know. It's it's really gross. There was a scene I don't remember. It was either an episode. It was in one of the latter four. I remember there was a scene of dialogue. I think it's in episode seven actually. That was just one of the most dreadfully directed scenes I've ever seen in like good television i was like how did this even make it how did they not go mm, no do do that again yeah make it better i don't know all right uh yeah i'm not gonna go through the spiel you know all the stuff never mind they should cancel grim and keep hannibal on there there you go someone you- should cancel grim <laughs> You guys should all go on the True Detective subreddit and just yeah. do some. There, there is some, some really there. interesting stuff that might kind of help change your mind on some things or help flesh things out. But there is some hysterical stuff on there. Like, I will do that. Absolutely, so funny. Kyle X Y, go watch a movie. <laughs>